The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 346, powered by RageWorks, broadcasting live Thursday, March 31st, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into MTR, My Take Radio, <clears throat> wow, that was a bit of a, <laughs> need some water. My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, pro wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air twice a week, uh, live on Wednesday nights and on Thursday nights. On Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling, and Thursday nights, we cover gaming and entertainment. Archived episodes of this show and any of our past shows are available on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash official rageworks and audio archives uh, it, available in podcast format can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and hopefully within the next few weeks, Google Play and Spotify as well. A couple of things before we get into tonight's topics. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who's been uh, participating in all our contests. Uh, because of that, we are actually uh, holding a new contest, which is live as of the airing of this show, which is for another set of pops, this time for the film The Hateful Eight. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's latest film was recently released on Blu-ray and DVD and digital uh, this past Tuesday. And in celebration of that, we want to give one lucky listener or reader a set of four pops from the film. Uh, you can get the details by heading over to RageWorks.net and you can check it out there. Again, um, we're definitely, as always, giving people multiple opportunities to win uh, this particular set of pops. But as always, please make sure to read the post and follow the rules. Uh, last time we did a big pop giveaway, which was the WWE pops. Uh, we specifically said that it was open to residents in U.S. in the U.S. and Canada. And unfortunately, we had a lot of people that entered from the U.K., South America, etc., Again, I cannot stress it enough. Please, please, please read the instructions because it's it's one of those things where people, they reach out afterwards and they say, hey, man, you know, I was going to 
participate or I participated? Why wasn't my entry or why was my entry disqualified? And I had to explain. I'm like, listen, you're not a U.S. resident or you're not a Canadian resident. And, you know, people, they were like, oh, you know, I didn't notice that. And it's 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 explicitly shown on the post. So, again, we want to give one lucky listener, viewer or reader uh, four pops from the Hateful Eight. Uh, we're also going to drop our Batman versus Superman contest. Originally, I was going to give first and second prizes through one contest, but we may do uh, one for the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and then the second prize would be for the figure. And um, we're going to probably do another Rock'em Sock'em Robots giveaway either through the YouTube channel or maybe through Snapchat. Um, still, still debating which way we're going to go. But I figured it'd be easier to do that because some people consume our content through those other mediums as well. Uh, for those of you that have reached out, and I mentioned this last night, um, regarding updates on the My Take Radio TV YouTube page, um, you know, we're still going through the motions with YouTube. As a matter of fact, we are scheduled to hear back from them on April 1st, which should be in less than half an hour, uh, regarding what is going to happen with that channel. But as I said, we are probably going to start moving away from that channel and probably close it out by the end of April. And, um, you know, we're going to record an announcement. Obviously, if you're following that channel, please subscribe to Official Rageworks on YouTube. That way you can check out all the latest episodes of MTR, all our reviews, event coverage, unboxings, and host of other offerings that we are trying to give you guys in video form. I know some people were a little bummed out with the with the whole, you know, deletion or removal of the other YouTube channel. I, I mean, you know, it doesn't hurt anyone more than me. Uh, you know, we're almost at 100 subs on that channel, uh, well over 100,000 views. We've had a lot of great stuff on that channel that we are very proud of, a lot of great moments and a lot of trips down memory lane. I actually saw one of the first events that we covered uh, with Slick doing some interviews and... Um, you know, there were, there was so much great stuff there and it's unfortunate, but I've realized that trying to manage two channels with duplicate content doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know I'm trying to do a service for you guys that are subbed on the My Take Radio TV channel, but as I said, you know, the, the main focus is Rageworks and My Take Radio is just a flagship program under Rageworks, much like our other shows. So, uh, definitely be on the lookout for that video announcement, probably going to be recorded and uploaded this weekend to that channel. Once I hear what YouTube decides, um, right now, if they, if the person who filed the claim doesn't respond to my counterclaim, YouTube is going to release the video, but I'm not, I'm not going to bother keeping the video up there because it's going to just cause unnecessary headaches. I may just remove it, uh, pending the results of what YouTube opts to do. In any case, though, like I said, the intent is to move everything to the Rageworks YouTube channel. And as always, you can consume all our content on Rageworks.net. We're just trying to put our unboxings, product reviews, and event coverage there. Um, as I mentioned during last night's MMA and wrestling show, you know, people have been recommending Vimeo and other services. And as I said during that show, I will reiterate here. And that is that, you know, these are things that these are services that are costly. And, um, you know, after much thought, I figured maybe I'll revisit Patreon again, which is what some people have said, uh, should be the best course of action for the show because Patreon's undergone a lot of changes 
to the point where people don't need to, um, you know, donate per episode. They can just donate per month or whatever the case may be. And that can go to providing additional hardware and other services as well. And I think that will be the way to go. I'd rather people use Patreon and get something tangible out of the deal versus like I've said before, a donate button or any of that stuff. Just, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, um, it's one of those things where I just feel it's not a, it's not a necessity in terms of just trying to grow rage works, but I want to grow it faster. I want to get you guys the best content possible. We want to give you guys the best events, uh, event coverage, possible games, giveaways, all that stuff. And you know, it's stuff that requires work and, you know, managing a full-time job and, you know, real world responsibilities. Plus this, you know, things, things fall by the wayside and I don't want MTR or rage works to be one of those things that falls by the wayside because real life gets in the way at the end of the day. Uh, we definitely aspire to do this, you know, round the clock full time to give you guys the latest and greatest and best coverage possible. But, you know, it's not a uh, it's not a it's not a run. It's a brisk walk. And that's, you know, that's something that we're going to continue to work towards. But I did want to update you guys not only on the channel, but uh, revisiting Patreon and possibly putting something together in the coming weeks. Uh, in addition to that, we have some events on the horizon. We're going to be covering an event next Thursday which means that there will not be a gaming and entertainment edition of MTR that Thursday, but there will be an MMA and wrestling edition. Obviously we will be talking about WrestleMania and the post WrestleMania raw plus all the latest MMA and wrestling news of the week. So in regards to that, there will be a show Wednesday. There will not be a show Thursday thus far. The remaining uh, nights on the month of on the calendar for the month of April look fine, but Things are, as always, subject to change, like today's start time, which um, should have been at 1130. Unfortunately, got home a little late and uh, got to do show prep. We got notes and uh, other things which need to be done, which if you're following me on Snapchat, you will see what goes into making the show. If you haven't, you can find us on Snapchat. Uh, Just look for Rageworks and you'll be able to find us there. All right. So. On deck for tonight, as always, we're going to talk about the latest happenings in the world of gaming and entertainment on the gaming side. We're going to talk about three particular pieces of controversy that have made their way into the gaming space. We're going to talk about the Overwatch butt controversy. Want to get into that. Uh, The Nintendo firing, which got a lot of people talking. I also want to talk about Microsoft apologizing for having scantily clad women at their last big event. And um, I didn't get to talk about that prior because of the, you know, we didn't do a gaming entertainment show last week, but you know, we definitely, I want to get into those three things because there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of discussion. And um, honestly, you know, some of it is right. Some of it is wrong, but I want to dissect it a little bit, take a deep dive in there. Um, In addition, obviously we're going to talk about all the stuff that's going on in gaming, including the release of Mitomo and a bunch of other stuff that has come up as well. Plus, on the entertainment side, I am going to give you guys a little bit of the of my thoughts on Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, review for that is forthcoming. Just been a kind of swamped with the real world to get it out, but hopefully by the time uh, this shows up, this show is uploaded, 
before the weekend. It should be live. If not, obviously, just keep an eye out for it. Um, some people were asking if I was going to do it as an audio review uh, for the Minority Film Report, and I wanted to. Just again, time was not on my side. Been really trying to bring that back because a lot of people have been asking for it. So we'll see what happens. Um, a lot of good films on the horizon. Hopefully, I'll be able to get some reviews out. I want to see, um, you know, obviously Captain America Civil War, which is next on my radar, and a couple of small films that are popping up here and there. But as always, keep it locked to RageWorks.net for those reviews. Uh, with that said, that's going to wrap up the housekeeping. Let's get into the gaming news of the week. So I want to start with the Overwatch controversy only because it was so recent. And um, basically what happened was Overwatch is a game that Blizzard is putting out that um, recently had an open beta. People have been very excited about it. And um, what ended up happening was one of the characters has a victory pose where she kind of does an over-the-shoulder look and, you know, they're, they're, you see her ass. Whatever. Not not the worst thing in the world. Kind of, you know, the 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 trademark sexy pose that has been used in countless games. Um, but what ended up happening was one of the people that participated in the beta went into the Blizzard thread and expressed... Uh, I guess disapproval only because the character, you know, the pose doesn't embody what the character is all about. Uh, some people are saying that it's, you know, a, uh, a form of censorship. Other people are saying that, you know, it's, it's just a pose. It's harmless, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the funny thing is that Blizzard has been incredibly receptive and they've actually gone on record saying that they had intended to change the pose and will be changing the pose going forward. Now, you know, a lot of people were saying that the characters, you know, that particular pose is counter to what the character is all about. Uh, the character represents, you know, silliness, being a fun character. There's no, there's no overly sexual vibe from the character when you look at it. And you know, you know what the thing is? I look back at an article I read. I want to say I read it three months ago. And if you guys remember, Esurance had an animated mascot, which was pretty harmless, you know, but uh, a ma an animated mascot that ended up just getting a life of its own on 4chan and Reddit with people drawing her scantily clad, naked, etc. You know, it, it's it's par for the course. No matter what innocent character you put out there in some capacity, the character is going to end up being, you know, sexualized or or drawn in a way that is counter to what that character is. We've seen it with characters like Princess Peach from Mario to, uh, you know, the female characters from Sonic. It's it's something that's existed and it's something that's been happening for quite some time. You know, with regards to what they did and, you know, Blizzard's handling of the situation, I have to I have to look at it from both sides. As a gamer, we play the game and I feel that we spend too much time focusing on things that we want to offend us. And I say this because, you know, the over the shoulder pose has been used in countless games, whether, you know, they're fighting games, adventure games, whatever the case may be. The over the shoulder pose has been used even in comics. It's been drawn that way on, on comic book covers. And the thing is, I'm not advocating that the pose is right or wrong, but 
again, we live in a different society where people are honestly easily offended and they um they feel that things are overly sexual, which is crazy because you know, we're the same we're the same people that grew up with really really strict guidelines in terms of our programming when we were younger. I mean, Slick can attest to this. Uh, Danny can attest to this in the chat as well, where, you know, TV, music, everything else was severely censored when we were growing up or people went out of their way to try and censor that because they felt that it was, you know, not family friendly, quote unquote. And then as the years progressed, things ended up becoming more and more censored by default. I mean, a great example, if you're a wrestling fan, everyone talks about the Attitude Era, blood, violence, you know, tons of sexual situations. And over the last few years, we've shifted from the attitude era to the quote unquote reality era where, you know, everything is scrutinized. Everything is looked at with a fine tooth comb and it impacts the real world. And for me personally, I look at it from the perspective that there's so many other things going on in 2016. And I'm being honest, you know, from Our presidential election, which has divided many people to, you know, terrorists, diseases. You know, we got a disease that's, you know, the Zika virus that's in mosquitoes that if you get stung may not kill you, but may give your kid deformities. There's so much shit happening that people genuinely should be focusing on that shit more so than, you know, a butt in a game. Again, not taking away from the fact that that people may have been bent out of shape about it, but I just feel that there's so much more out there to be upset about when you're a gamer. And on top of the fact that just the gaming community as a whole has evolved so much, we have so much more access to developers. We have so much more access to uh, the creative minds behind some of our favorite titles that I understand wanting to express genuine concern. And it's fine. I think that, you know, the player who, who expressed concern did it in a, you know, in a pretty respectful manner, minus, you know, obviously everybody else just piling on and talking about that it's censorship, it's bullshit, you know, Blizzard shouldn't have to do that, grow the fuck up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Again, I understand Blizzard's Blizzard's stance on it, and I respect the fact that they reacted quickly and accordingly to just avoid the situation altogether, but as a gamer... There's other shit that that's worse that we're dealing with, you know, um, giant pre-orders for incomplete games, microtransactions. There's more serious shit out there. Uh, companies breaking street date, people breaking embargoes, you name it, it's happening. And this, again, while it is somewhat worth discussing, I feel it was overblown. I saw threads on Reddit. I saw an entire feed on Twitter just about that post from varying people in the game community from journalists. And I mean, real journalists that get paid to do this shit to people that run sites to vloggers to, uh, you know, streamers, everybody had a different take on it. But at the end of the day, it's really a non-factor. I hate to say it, but it's true. Ass, no ass, uh, over the shoulder pose, no over the shoulder pose. The game isn't out yet. They can change it, which they did, and we could we could definitely move on. I know that, you know, Slick is in the queue. I want to bring him in, see what the deal is. Slick, what's up, my friend? 
What's up, man? So I got to ask, as as someone who is in a similar age demo as me, um, do you feel that we've become more, I want to I wanna say, I don't want to say tight ass, but more sensitive versus how things were when we were growing up? Do you feel that it's becoming more and more over the top as the years go by instead of it becoming more and more acceptant? The society needs preparation H, bottom line. <laughs> Fitting way to and put it. It's, it's like the gaming community, we, we have this discussion every once in a while. Right. The gaming community, it's, it's good in a way that, because I doubt one person got this changed. It's good in a way that the gaming community will stand for something and get something changed, but they're getting the wrong things changed. Okay. Playing that, you know, complain that Square Enix is releasing Hitman on Final Fantasy VII uh, episodically. Get that changed. Complain that, you know, companies put out all these bullshit season passes that are just a bunch of skins. Complain about that. Don't complain that this this character in Over, Overwatch is posing like Cammy from Street Fighter. Right. That's fucking stupid. And it's it's interesting that you happen to mention that today because I, I had just posted a review for a game, uh, a very, very Japanese game. In fact, it's it's based on a manga and anime called Senran Kagura Estival Versus. The bottom line, this this is for the the crowd that likes what's called fan service because the entire game is filled with busty schoolgirls who beat the crap out of each other until their clothes come off. That, that's really what it's about. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, this the same community that complained about Overwatch might complain about that, and guess what? The game's rated mature. Right. They even said it in a review. I mean, if you let your kids play this, that's on you. If, if you see something after that that you don't like, guess, guess whose fault it is. But if you don't, if you got a problem with the way this character's posing, don't play the damn game. You, you're maybe somebody else really enjoys the pose for whatever reason, and well, maybe you're ruining the game for them because the pose isn't hurting anything. Right. Well, you know what it is. I feel. I even, go ahead, I'm sorry. Not not to not to cut you off. I feel that when you look at it, there there's, and I and I that's where I'm I'm giving uh, some some merit to to the person. And their explanation, they felt that the pose was, you know, didn't fit the character. And to that, to that, I have to say, if that's the case, and it genuinely, you know, even Blizzard said, they were like, eh, we kind of weren't digging the pose and we had planned to change it anyway. Uh, You know, whether that's them throwing a little smoke out there to kind of just put, you know, put out the fire behind the scenes, whatever the case may be, you know, a little, a little smoke and mirrors. The, the fact is that, if you're if you're playing a game, well, let me rephrase that. If your child is playing um, Dora the Explorer, and for whatever reason Dora the Explorer does, you know, some some sort of a pose that definitely shouldn't be happening with Dora the Explorer. As a parent, you're gonna look and be like, eh. yeah, exactly. That's that's one. You know. I I look at that and I'm going to be like, eh, that's that's not very cool. And the thing is, to your point, it's it's also about the way that the game is being rated. Obviously, if you're going to rate the game E for everyone or or T for teen or whatever the case may be, 
someone may raise an eyebrow. And I think that the person, the person acknowledging that did so. And like I said, they, they, they expressed it in a, in a coherent way versus most complaints were like, yo man, this is fucking bullshit. I'm going to fucking leak your address. I'm going to, I'm going to send the SWAT team to your house. I'm going to publish all your personal information, which leads to another story I'm going to talk about in a minute and, and ruin your life. I mean, again, I, I, I respected the per- the person's approach and I respected what Blizzard did. They were like, yeah, you know, we appreciate it. We're, we're going to make the change. And, you know, I asked Danny in the chat what she thought and she said, we complain more than make changes. And to a point, I have to agree. I mean, like I said before you came on, there's so many other things at play in the gaming industry or in the entertainment industry as a whole that, you know, we, we, where we should be focusing on that. But again, you know, it's it's the uh, weapons of mass distraction, as I like to say. There's there's other shit that's distracting us from the task at hand. And I think in this case, it was a story that was handled, but a story that blew out of control, over, you know, for a couple of days because everybody was so overly vocal about something that honestly is a non-factor. I mean, are, we, are, are people going to complain about Cammy's poses over the last, I don't know, 10 years you know what i mean like more than 10 more than 10 being honest but you get what i'm saying even back then back then when the rating system was in its infancy there were still poses like that orchid was still unzippering her her blouse for for a for a finisher and killer instinct right i remember that <laughs> the no mercy move which he opens his shirt that kills the person yep but but you get what i'm saying but that's, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, I posted the picture of the character in question. I even posted the pose itself. I mean, the the cover of the game, which has said character on it, if you didn't create the character, how are you going to say that pose doesn't fit the character? You didn't create them. I'm looking at the cover of this game, looking at this same character and how she's jumping through the air and shooting at somebody. And to me... She looks like she has the type of attitude where she would do a pose like that. Right. I didn't create the character, so I'm just going on, you know, what I'm looking at. Right. I I, I understand what you're saying. Say they were gonna they were gonna take the pose out. I think, like you said, that is blowing smoke because really, if you were gonna take it out, it would have been out already. Right. And that's if that's really, if you really in the studios had a problem with it, I don't think it would have made it to the demo. Well, here's 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 one, and and this will this will be the last piece to acknowledge it before I move on. If you remember, there was a whole big thing from Capcom about breast physics. If you remember, yeah, and I do. and they were like, oh, we're gonna put out an update to fix that, and they did. But even still, you know, the fact that that was a factor already, it's like I understand it needs to be fixed, and it's and it's something that is gonna create conversation. But if you if you acknowledge the elephant in the room so blatantly, it's it's going to look like you guys had done that intentionally because you guys were making the game and thought nobody would notice. Let's let's go back. Let you know, trip down memory lane, hot coffee in 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 GTA. You you know, that was that was in the game, whether it should have been found, shouldn't have been found. It was in the game. It was there, you know. As far as it being in the game, I think it probably was just easier for them to hide it than worrying about taking it out. Right. As but- far as the breast physics situation, the only thing I saw wrong with it is that 
actual motion that was in that animation, because I saw it once before it was taken out, right. was just hysterical. It's like, breasts don't move like that. Well, you know, <laughs> it's... Not by accident. Well, it's funny, because Danny said some, some commentary I want to share with you guys. She says, and I quote, but we're totally cool with broken games and short online games for $60 with season passes for content that's months after a game's launch. She also added, Dead or Alive is all about breast physics, and that's its bread and butter. 100% true on both accounts. And what she acknowledged about, you know, incomplete games, short games, and, you know, DLC issues are 100% what the focus should be on. But obviously, you know, we are, we, we're, not, we're not looking at that stuff. The other thing I wanted to mention, and this was another piece that was mentioned on Game Informer, was the termination of Allison Rapp who worked for Nintendo as a communications and marketing employee for their treehouse localization group. Nintendo fired her, um, and according to what she's saying, they were fired. She was fired because she was moonlighting at another job. Uh, Nintendo said that Allison Rapp was terminated due to violation of an internal company policy involving holding a second job in conflict with Nintendo's corporate culture. That's what the uh, company rep told Game Informer via email. Now, it's funny because, you know, the termination follows her being the subject of criticism from certain groups via social media several weeks ago. And Nintendo went on record saying that the two are not absolute. They're absolutely not related. Uh, They added Nintendo is a company committed to fostering inclusion and diversity in both our company and the broader video game industry. And we firmly reject the harassment of individuals based on gender, race or personal beliefs. So. For those that don't know her situation, she was being targeted by, um, you know, angry Nintendo fans because of her work at Treehouse. And her name was attached to a lot of decisions that many felt were, you know, just not good. Uh, one of the things was the the boob slider in Xenoblade Chronicles, which didn't make it into the North American version. Also, the uh, the face petting minigame from Fire Emblem Fate was another item that was removed due to localization. Um, Even though she didn't have any say in those decisions, that didn't stop from people. And this is some crazy shit, man. People digging up personal information and allegedly forwarding that information to Nintendo with complaints about her. You know, this was, you know, it was, she's been, she's been involved in a lot of stuff, man. You know, she was part of a, of a, of an issue with, uh, Japan's child pornography laws that sympathize with the country's cultural norms. And, you know, she wrote a piece on that when she was in college in, in 2011. And, um, you know, she, she went on Twitter. She elaborated. She said that Nintendo, Nintendo's culture actually promoted her. You know, they promoted having a second, you know, a second gig. And, um, you know, again, here he said, she said, but it's interesting that, you know, they they put that out there and that she says that it was, um, you know, not the case. Uh, she was also saying that she worked at her second gig with an alias as to not jeopardize her standing in Nintendo. Um, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on with regards to that. And the thing is, it's the thing that disturbs me most about this situation isn't the fact whether... She was fired for moonlighting, not moonlighting her, you know, her way of dress, how she looked, whatever the case may be. What bothers me is the fact that people don't agree with something and are angry enough to dig up 
personal information to sabotage a person's livelihood. And that's what really fucking disturbs me. Because, again, we we do this, some of us do it professionally, some of us do it for for as a side gig, as a second job, some of us do it because we love what we, you know, we love this, this business, we love this space. And um, to see somebody's career get flushed down the toilet so quickly is is insane and and you know people on twitter were very vocal about it and it it just it bothers me because again you know this whole gamergate thing whether it's directly responsible or indirectly responsible it bothers me that people can go without a second without a second thought and, and hit detonate on someone's career it's some scary shit what's really scary is how easy it is to do absolutely because it's like these, there's these, these like you always say, keyboard warriors who sit home, sit at home, and you know they think life is like a freaking comic book and some shit, where they can do stuff like that and not worry about anything. Yeah, they, one of these days they'll do it to the wrong person, and you know either they'll manage to do it back to them or they'll show up at their doorstep. Well, I wanna, I wanna read what Game Informer wrote as as their take on the situation. Because it's it's I commend them for for being for writing it the way they did. Uh, They wrote and I quote the author was Mike Futter and I'll make sure to put link for that in the show notes. He said, while the stories don't completely add up, there is one thing of which we can be certain. Nintendo remained silent as Allison Rapp was harassed over the past few months. She took the brunt of attacks for localization decisions made by the company. And as she states, were in opposition to her own opinions in some cases. What ultimately ha- what ultimately happened at the end of her employment with Nintendo follows months of the company turning its back on her. Whether you agree with the localization decisions made for Xenoblade Chronicles, Fire Emblem Fate, or any other game brought over from Japan, remember that these decisions are rarely made by a single person in a vacuum. No one deserves the level of harassment Rap faced. I I couldn't have put it any better. You know? Yeah, as you were saying, I'm thinking to myself. There's no way that she alone could have been making those decisions. Exactly. You know, and to, to Danny's point, Danny says, you know, it's also partly because of the amount of information that's readily available online. And, you know, it's funny because it, as many of you know, and I've mentioned on, on previous shows, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk runs VaynerMedia, has written a ton of awesome books, including the latest Ask Gary V, which is on shelves. Um, you know, the guy, he is, he is the embodiment of what I would be if I had very deep pockets (laughs) because he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. And I, and I say that, I say that just in complimenting the guy's work ethic and hustle, but I also say it because we are, you know, we should stop and, and I'm, and I'm quoting him here. We should stop con, um, what's, what's the word I want to use here? We should stop judging people's escapism. In other words, you know, the 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 layman term for that is just because somebody likes to watch anime doesn't mean you should attack them for it. Or just because somebody likes collecting baseball cards doesn't mean that they're a nerd or or any of these other labels that are associated with it. If a company takes it upon themselves to make a change to a title that they deem to be a change that needs to be done because it won't be accepted here. Like you said, it's not one person's fault, and that person shouldn't be attacked for it. They shouldn't. 
if people are have an issue with a with a problem, take it up with the company. Because nothing goes through one person unless that one person is the unless you're fucking Hideo Kojima. And even still, his shit would get shot would get shot down too because he had bosses he had to answer to. Right? Yeah, investors. It's it, you know, it's it's one of those things where people they're so quick to judge things that again just don't impact them. And and this is this goes for anything. I mean, you know, to, to go off base for a second. Uh, someone, someone said to me, and I've heard this before, and my my manager at my, my office said it. Uh, someone said, "I don't like Barack Obama." Okay, why don't you like him? Oh, I don't like his policies. Okay, what policy exactly has like he done? Well, no, what exact policy has he done that's impacted your life to make you hate the guy? Oh, um, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like. It, like I'll, I'll, I'll throw it. I'll throw a, a, a general one out there. Obamacare or, or you know, healthcare in general. You have you have a job, right, Slick? You get medical benefits from that job, right? Yes. Does Obamacare remotely affect you in any way? No, not because of the job I have. It doesn't. There you go. And this is what I'm saying. Like, like, like people. You want to be angry because angry is the cool thing. I make no, I make no, mis, you know, I make no illusions to not being an angry human being because I am, but I'm not going to be angry about something that doesn't remotely affect me, at least not to the point where it leads to the hatred of another human being. It's, it's pointless for people to be this angry to where they're willing to throw a person's career into the fucking shredder about bullshit that they weren't responsible for isn't just a question of gaming culture, but it's just a question of people culture. That's how scary it is that as a developer or a person in higher and upper management that's involved in the creation of something that's meant to be enjoyed by hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people is every day on the verge of having their career tossed into the shitter because somebody didn't like one thing that they may or may not have been associated with. And that my friends is the scariest thing out of this entire situation. Even for Overwatch, even even going back to that, say they would have left the polls in there. Say somebody would have got so offended that they would have found one of the people that was involved in the project and shredded their career. And I, I, the reason why I stayed silent for a second is just the fact that there are people out there that are just pathetic enough to do something like that. Yep. And that's that's it's it's just scary. And I and like I said, I wanted to open up with these two things because they're they're not just gaming issues, but they're issues that we should look at by and large. And I'm sure that someone's going to go on YouTube and they're going to say, like they said a couple of months back, oh, he's being a feminist or whatever. No, I'm being a fucking human. You know, I'm being a person that has, you know, a wife, two sisters, you know, numerous women that are important in my life that I wouldn't want to see them treated the way that, you know... A, a streamer or a vlogger or a, a journalist is treated. If that makes me a feminist, then fuck it. You know, tally ho with that shit. March fourth. Simple as that. Thoughts? Uh, it's it's just crazy the, the world we live in. How it, it's like how much power somebody sitting behind a keyboard like myself could potentially have, and how powerless 
people who are actually out in the real world might have compared to them. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a it's a scary thing on on multiple fronts. But like I said, you know, you you either you either have to take a stand and be vigilant or be ready or be ready sword and shield to to fight off everybody. That's it. You either got to be vigilant and and keep an eye on your shit and make sure that, you know, somebody doesn't doesn't come and derail anything about you. And that's partly because of how open we are on the internet. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, you know, we're sharing uh, granules of our life with with people, strangers, whatever the case may be. And that that does have its pitfalls. It can open you up to something if you're not conducting yourself accordingly. And I've talked about this before. I mean, you know, I have certain aspects of of my personal life that are out there because at the end of the day, my take radio is me, you know, and rage works to a point is me. And because of that, you have to, you have to put a, you have to humanize your, your brand. But you know, I don't put, you know, I don't put pictures of my family out there or certain things. It's not part of the job, not necessary. And you know, that's, that, that can sometimes be a, a gift or a curse depending on what you're trying to do and how you're trying to move your company or your brand forward. But even still, nobody should be subjected to that level of, of harassment where, their livelihood is jeopardized at all because all because someone was a little overzealous at the keyboard. I agree 100%. There you go. It's funny because, I mean, it's, it's totally a discussion for another day for another segment. Of course. But this is probably why a lot of people don't want to put their real information on Facebook. But then again, the, the problem is they, they want to be on Facebook and it's Facebook's policy where you're supposed to use your real name. But here's here's the thing, dude. And and I'm and I'm going to be honest and, and we'll use this as the way to move to move on. The, the fact is, if you if you are scared of putting your real name out there, especially on Facebook, Facebook's policy is we need your real name. That's because. When you're putting your real self out there, and I, and I say that in quotes, when you're putting your real self out there, you're showing the world who you really are. And the problem is that there are some people that behind closed doors or, or offline are pieces of shit, and they can't shut off that verbal diarrhea, and instead of just shutting it off and conducting themselves accordingly, they just find a new outlet to spew it. You and I know plenty of people... That shouldn't have a keyboard in front of them based on some of the stuff that they put out there. You know this. You see it all the time. And I say to myself, this is, this is stuff that is going to be archived somewhere for someone to read someday. This is something that an employer may see someday. This is something that your kids, I mean, there was a meme floating around, which was hilarious, where it said pictures of my grandparents from like 1960. And then it was like pictures of my grandparents from like 1990 and it was a, from 2000 and no, it was uh 2016 and 1916. And it was just showing a chick taking a selfie and she was half naked. I mean, you know, it, it was funny in the grand scheme of things, but it's scary because that's where we're going. Not so much that picture, but just we're sharing everything. We're out there. We are plugged into the matrix. And someday your grandkids are going to see that picture like grandma. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. And the problem is when people, you, you know, they're like, I don't want to put my real name on Facebook. I mean, 
if you don't want to put your real name on Facebook for 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 something other like if you don't want to just put your name on there because you don't feel comfortable, but you're just a regular a regular Joe. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, because some people, they just they just don't want to do it. And I know I know plenty of people that don't want to do that. Like they want to be they want to dip their toes in the pool, but they don't want to jump in all the way. That's fine. But if you're not putting yourself out there because you just want to be a venomous piece of shit on a new medium and you think it makes you cool and edgy or different, it doesn't. It just makes you an asshole, you know, going going into a news going into a news article about a car accident and and making a joke about somebody whose kids may have died in that accident through no fault of their own doesn't make you edgy, doesn't make you cool, doesn't make you counterculture. It makes you an asshole and possibly a scumbag. That's it. Plain and simple, bro. And if you and if your real name is associated with that, either you're a glutton for punishment, you work for yourself, or you really just want to sabotage your future 5, 10, 15 years from now. It's the thing people don't even think about stuff like that. You know, it's the way the way I see it is I've done, you know, we're on the verge of 350 episodes. From episode one through 350, I've said plenty of things that are going to raise a couple of eyebrows. And that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I own that shit. Why? My brand. My show. I don't. And if I got to go out there and I got to put this work somewhere, I'm going to I'm going to let someone know out of the gate. The subject matter is a little blue. My views are a little abrasive, but you say that at the beginning of every show. I hundred percent. No, I, I I agree. But again, if it became a question where somebody said, "Hey, I'd like to see a a reel of your past shows," or "I'd like to see a, a demo of of your of your last five or ten shows," yeah, I can pull a couple of them. That doesn't necessarily mean there might not be an f bomb in there or something worse. I can pretty much guarantee that there will be. There you go. And that's that's how it is. And I mean, you know, I can pull up a dozen interviews where not one curse word has come out. But again, that's that's just how it is. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, moving on, there's a couple of things I wanted to get into. And, um, you know, you're you're welcome to hang out for this stuff. Uh, Sony and Microsoft have released their list of free games for the month of April. A lot of good shit on the horizon. If you're a PlayStation Plus user... You get Dead Star, Zombie, and Zombie for the PlayStation 4. I Am Alive and Savage Moon for the PS3. And A Virus Named Tom and Shutsimi for uh, PS Vita. Meanwhile, on the Xbox Gold side, you're getting a wolf, The Wolf Among Us for the entire month. Sunset Overdrive is going to be available from April 16th to May 15th. And if you have an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One with backwards compatibility... You're going to be able to play Dead Space from April 1st to the 15th or Saints Row 4 from April 16th through April 30th. I'm glad to hear that I Am Alive is going to be free on the PS3. I remember when that game was coming out. I was so excited. And then it dropped and there was like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the lineup of, of titles continues to impress every month. The addition, the addition of backwards compatibility for the Xbox One essentially gives people um, four titles to enjoy. So, not not bad, you know. Definitely not bad. I I also wanted to keep you on because obviously everyone's talking about Final Fantasy fourteen and um, all the stuff that came all the stuff that came out of the Final Fantasy event. Uh, the game is scheduled to hit retailers. Fifteen. Fifteen. Sorry. Um, 
scheduled for a debut September 30th. And um, a couple of different editions are out, or, or well, are scheduled to be released. You got your Day 1 edition, you got your Deluxe edition, and your Ultimate Collector's edition. Your Day 1 edition is going to give you uh, DLC weapon, some pre-order incentives, uh, Xbox One avatars, uh, PlayStation incentives are going to be a dynamic PS4 theme. Uh, the Deluxe Edition is getting all the Day 1 content, plus you're getting the uh, Kingsglaive movie, Blu-ray, and Platinum Leviathan design and access to Royal Rainment costume DLC. And um, the Ultimate Edition the Ultimate Edition includes everything, and that's available through the Square Enix store. It's $269. You're getting everything from the Day 1 Edition and the Deluxe Edition, plus Steelbooks of... The Blu-ray soundtrack, the Brotherhood Blu-ray, hardcover art book, an exclusive limited edition variant Noctis Play Arts Kai action figure, and in-game item packs. Uh, the Play Arts Kai figures, you and I both know, are fucking expensive. So, um, uh, like Danny just said, a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money floating around. So... You you covered this event. You you know you reported a lot of it on RageWorks.net. Uh, care to fill in anything I may have missed? Well, first off, do you want you want to hear this? I actually know somebody who's already pre-ordered that super duper edition. I told them straight out, I was like, "Listen, enjoy it. If you can make the money off of it, but it's not for me. I I couldn't do it. It's like I I love Final Fantasy." I don't love it that much that I'm putting out two hundred and seventy dollars for a game. Well, you know what the thing what? is? That's that it, it we've re- and and what did I tell you? Well, let me rephrase that. What did you and I discuss a year ago? Hell, even two years back. Let's see what happens with a sixty dollar deluxe edition, an eighty dollar deluxe edition, a hundred dollar deluxe edition. Here we are on the precipice of a near three hundred dollar edition of a game. I mean, when you consider everything that's in it, is it worth it? I would say pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah, that Play Arts Kai figure is dope. It's too rich for my blood. Yeah, the Play Arts Kai figures are very expensive. Um, You know, Blu-ray soundtrack, eh, take it or leave it. The Steelbooks are the Steelbooks. uh, The Brotherhood Blu-ray, which is going to include an exclusive sixth episode. The hardcover art book. I mean, good Final Fantasy art books usually run you at least 50 bucks. Square Enix is literally going in on Final Fantasy 15. I don't know if it's because this game literally, without even having been released yet, is over 10 years old now, or they, you know, and they just want to make it up to the the fans, or like they just really want to hand over fist, you know, make bankroll off of this game. But they are really going in because. The event which happened in Los Angeles yesterday, well, actually at this point, um, Wednesday, right? It's Friday here now. It was called um, Uncovered, I think. Final Fantasy Fifteen. If I'm saying this wrong, I'm sorry. Well, Danny covered um, it also, so but, she can she can educate us if we were wrong. <laughs> okay, but I mean, they announced the 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 launch date for the game first. September 30th, which that alone was big. Right. 
if they did nothing else, you know, people would have gone crazy. Just know, having finally having a date for this game, a solid date for this game to come out. That literally, that's why. That's why my friend pre-ordered it. She's like, I've been waiting for this game for over ten years. So yeah, I'll pay two hundred and seventy dollars for it. And um, there's the demo, which it, it's even rough to kind of call it a demo because if it's a demo where none of the content, well, actually. 1% of the content is going to carry over to Final Fantasy 15, and that's if you finish it. Right. Um, what I'm talking about is the if you complete the demo, the Summon Creature Carbuncle, which is a young Noctis' um, partner in the game, in the demo, will carry over to Final Fantasy 15, but that's only if you complete this demo. It is free. You know, if you got a PS4, Xbox One, PC, download it because you never know when uh, Square Enix might say, okay, that's it for the, for the demo, it's gone. Right. And um, a lot of people are playing it, you know, there are mixed feelings about the demo, which, like I said, it has nothing to do with the, the final game except for Carbuncle. Right. And just play it. Because... Anybody who's played Final Fantasy before knows that more summon creatures are better than fewer. The um, then there was the anime, which the first the first episode is available on the Final Fantasy 15 YouTube page, and um, I don't know how I really feel about it because it's it's um it's the episodes are 12 minutes long, so it's like yeah, five episodes which are 12 minutes long and you know, if somebody watched a lot of anime, a lot of the shorts are actually better than the full-length episodes. Right. But for something like Final Fantasy, I would think they would have gone with a, a you know longer story time or just just released a 60-minute movie instead of breaking it up into episodes. Okay. Which that goes into the... Um, and the, the anime is called Brotherhood Final Fantasy Fifteen. It stars the, the four... The four male protagonists of the game, which, aside from Noctis, I, I cannot remember their names off the top of my head because they're kind of wacky names. But uh, if you go to the website, I'm sure you can see them. The um, then there's King Kingsclave. I gotta get some water. Kingsclave Final Fantasy 15, which um, features Noctis's father, and you know, it's uh, it's <clears throat> excuse me. It's leading up to the events of Final Fantasy 15. Okay. That's a, a full... It's supposed to be a full-length movie with CG coming directly to Blu-ray, and there's no date on that, but it's it's definitely coming out before the game. Right. Um, I think there was one other thing, but I, I can't... Again, I can't recall off the top of my head. This was a whole lot of stuff that they are packing into this one title. Yeah, they're, they're go ahead. It may or may not be overkill. I want to see how Kingsglaive is first because Final Fantasy does not have the best track record with their CG movies, right? And um, but from the trailer, it looked, it does look at least it's it's very well done, very high production values. The story <clears throat> remains to be seen. There you go. Well, I you know the, the 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 amount of fanfare that's that's surrounding this game within the last couple of hours is definitely notable to say the least. Uh, someone is skyping me. 
Danny, if that's you Skyping me, don't, because it comes out on air. <laughs> um, in any case, as I was saying, clearly somebody is Skyping me. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Hold on a second. Anyway, the um, you know, everything that's being poured into this game is to be expected. Square Enix is going to go all in the same way they went in with um, Final Fantasy VII. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter are numbers, which um, is is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about. The, you know, March has come to a close now, officially April 1st. And um, I was hoping to have the MPD numbers for the month of March, but they haven't been released yet. I did want to mention something about the MPD, uh, the top selling titles from February. And that is, and this is the crazy part. Slick, can you believe that GTA 5 is still in the top 10 selling titles? It's crazy. And what's even crazier is that they're still charging $60 for it. Yep. On top of that, Far Cry, Far Cry Primal was number one. Um, Lego Marvel's Avengers cracked the uh, the top 10. It was in the, uh, well, let me rephrase that. It, it, it made its way. It almost cracked the top five, coming in at number six. Street Fighter V, obviously, uh, was on the list in the number seven slot. And Fallout 4 still holding on. Um, you know, the, the month of, of February was interesting because we were, we were dealing with, you know, kind of the official start to the post-holiday gaming cycle. So everybody was trying to get out of the gate with something good. Obviously, Capcom did so with Street Fighter V. And, you know, the new Street Fighter update just came out, which I'll get into in a few minutes. I, you know, I think that February was was a pretty solid month. Obviously, PlayStation 4, once again, uh, top-selling console. But the funny thing is that when you look at the list, there was still a Nintendo title on there. It was um, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright on the 3DS. Uh, I kind of feel that Nintendo titles have dropped off with regards to, to selling a lot of units when it comes time to do MPD numbers. Uh, I'm curious to... Just get your thoughts on that. Do you feel that you know Nintendo's foothold on of constantly having games in the in the MPD is winding down? And are there any games that you feel should be in there for the month of March? That should be in the top spot. Well, that should be included this month. From Nintendo, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing of note that really came out last month was the HD remake of Twilight Princess and again that's a remake. Right. And this this is this is, the reason I'm mentioning this is because there was a um a talk and I wasn't sure about sharing the audio because I didn't want to get into any sort of trouble with anyone but there was a talk at 92Y um you know Gary Vaynerchuk was there and somebody asked him if you can um you know uh, be involved in a company and turn them around, who would it be? And he said, Nintendo. And when he elaborated on it, he said, you know, Nintendo should have jumped into the mobile space. And I'm saying this because, obviously, everybody's jumping on the Mitomo bandwagon. I see countless people on social media that I know personally and professionally sharing their little Mitomo uh, me's on you know on on various platforms and again i feel that nintendo came into this party late am i wrong no i mean they the reasoning for it is is the you know the 3ds and 
that's still doing very well. So it's it's like a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other type situation. It depends on how you look at it. I mean, I feel personally that they're not mobile, obviously, but their portable uh, gaming presence is very strong still. Yeah, but this is going back to something you and I have talked about, which is that mobile gaming is slowly cannibalizing that foothold. They're slowly eating their way through that foothold. Think about the 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 amount of graphic. That, well, let me let me rephrase that. Think about the the hardware that is being placed in phones that is giving us game graphics on par, if not better, than handheld console offerings. And the the issue isn't a question of if it's going to happen. And I've said this before, it's a question of when. And Nintendo being the leaders that they are and the first party and having such a such a huge first party catalog should have, uh, like I said, and I've said this a, a thousand times before and I'll continue to say it, should have taken advantage of some of that catalog and thrown it on mobile devices. Whether it was forging a partnership with Apple and releasing titles exclusively through iOS or even going multi-platform there was, there is an opportunity and there, let me rephrase that. There was an opportunity and to a point there is an opportunity for them to do that. I feel that, that the Mitomo interface and, and the, and the driving force behind it is something that really is going to be a passing fad in my opinion, unless they get aggressive with it. I feel that, you know, Nintendo's just putting a a bandaid on a bullet hole. Well, The one thing I'll say is this, because this is my own personal experience, and I know I can't be the only one. Right. You mentioned how you know the mobile the mobile arena is getting you know um, the games are getting better and better and better, and that's true. But it's getting to the point where you have to look at a cell phone the way you look at a PC or a laptop. Right. Because, yeah, these cell phones can run these fantastic games. But when you have a cell phone and you factor in all your other apps and everything else you do with your phone, these games really don't always run so great. Oh, of course. But, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of mobile devices, you know, phones, tablets, phones primarily. I mean, just looking at the iPhone. As a textbook example, Apple pretty much knows when it's time to phase shit out. And if you're if you're one of the people that are as like like a meet you and I where we try to be as as bleeding edge as possible, you're going to have the newest phone. And even if you don't have the newest phone in one year, you're going to have it within two. And I think that with regards to that, it's 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 almost on par to and and it's and, and I say this in a in a. You know, from a comparison standpoint, it's almost on par with a console life cycle. Obviously, not to the extreme of five or ten years, but I'm just talking about you play the game, you know, you have the phone, the phone does all this cool shit, two years later a newer one comes out, you upgrade, you don't. You can still have a good experience on it, but you may not, it may not hold as much of a charge, etc., etc. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's the evolution of technology, and with that, you have to also look at it from the standpoint that developers are getting more and more savvy at harnessing this stuff. I mean, even right now during uh Microsoft's last event, they announced that you can that people are going to be able to 
turn their Xbox Ones into dev kits to create their own stuff. This is shit well, that we didn't need. Huh? They started that back with the Xbox 360. Right. But, but what I'm saying is it's becoming more so, it's becoming more and more possible for people to just become not just consumers, but creators. And this applies, you know, to apps and everything else. Now, again, I'm not taking anything away from Nintendo or or play or PlayStation with the Vita or or any other company that wants to get into that space. But they're going into that space fighting technology that is essentially in everyone's pocket. Yes, most a lot of people own 3DSs. A lot of people do, including you. But you also own a phone and your phone's on you more than your 3DS is. I mean, maybe not in your case, but... Well, I also, like, I'm trying to look at it in from both ends, and I get what you're saying, but um, looking at it from Nintendo's end as to why, you know, they might not feel threatened, let, let's take a game that, that is on mobile right now. Final Fantasy IX actually recently came out. Right. They've had to modify this game so much and basically give you debug mode on it and, you know, allow you to, to infinitely cheat on that game just to, to run through it. Because they know that a cell phone can't sustain, you know, the type of um, playtime that you would use on, let's say, a PlayStation or even a, a, a 3DS. Of course. For playing a game like that. It'll, it'll, you know, the games kill the battery faster than anything else. Oh, yeah, but... But, you know, if you put a game like that on 3DS, you could play, you know, during a road trip and maybe run out of battery at the very end of it. Right, but here's... It, it's that, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought. No, I was just saying, and, you know, that's, a, again, it's my standpoint, and maybe it's the, the unpopular one, but... That's something that to consider. That that would be for me one of the reasons why I, I primarily still game on my 3ds instead of my phone. Oh yeah, and and you're and you're totally totally in the right in that respect. But to to my point, I want to say taking advantage of the 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 games that aren't as involved. Like I'll give you an example: Mario Kart. If you put Mario Kart on a handheld whether it's control with a gyroscope or control with your finger, whatever the case may be, it's a game that you can sit on the toilet, play it on the train, play it in the doctor's office, you know, and, and move along. And, and I'm saying that Nintendo has a lot of games that fall into that niche. Obviously, I'm, you know, going super, super detailed with certain titles, sure. But if you did, again, for, for as an example, Smash Brothers Mobile, on iOS, just as an example, allowed plat- play across, you know, various phones, you know, various iPhones. It's a game that can be consumed quickly and, you know, in in, in, in minuscule fashion. Sure, it's going to impact battery life, but I'm just talking about Nintendo has a catalog, and you may agree, you may not, tailor-made for mobile applications, whether it's playing one or two levels of Mario and I'm talking about old Mario, not even the new shit, but, but you know, Super Mario 3 or Super Mario 2 or Mario World, if you wanted to get a little, a little up there. You get what I'm saying? There's plenty of games that you can play. I'm not telling you to play, you know, Legend of Zelda 
for for 14 hours on your phone but i'm talking about nintendo taking advantage of that catalog of easily consumable titles you know ducktales uh, another one uh, you know sonic which i've said mario kart which i've said metroid might be tough because again you know castlevania titles like that that are a little bit more involved uh, you know your your mileage may vary but stuff that's easily consumable is uh, is a virtual gold mine for nintendo you honestly and i've and i've you know i've i've cited this you wouldn't buy super mario 3 on your phone if it was a dollar or 2 bucks or 3 bucks well you know that's what i i wouldn't because i have it but if i didn't if i more than likely would right and that's what i'm saying because what's happening is we're living in, and and this is looking at a demographic you know kids uh, you know the younger the younger generation they're all about in-game purchases, in-app purchases, you know, they, they, you know, buying prepaid iTunes cards or Google Play cash or whatever the case may be to to facilitate these titles. So, again, the entry, we're not we're not doing microtransactions. You know, you're not slapping micro microtransactions on Duck Hunt. Like, imagine you put Duck Hunt on a phone, you know, you use your finger as the reticle like Fruit Ninja. Somebody would probably try to put microtransactions on the kitchen. Here, you can get a sniper rifle. Oh stuff. yeah, but well, well, yeah, but I'm just talking about Nintendo. I'm I'm trying to stick within the confines of what Nintendo does. You know, the, 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 here here's one: you take something simple like Qbert, and that's what I mean. Or even Excite Bike. Could do Excite Bike, play against other people on your mobile device. Again, just simple things that can be reverse engineered to leverage the mobile space. And, and you know, I don't want to go too deep into it only because we, we've done it so many other times, but I just want to say that, you know, you look at Nintendo and everybody's like, Oh, me Tomo this and me Tomo that, and this is great. And it's like, but is it really, you know, is it, is it great because it's fresh and new or is it great because it's genuinely doing something different, unique, innovative, and exciting that is not a passing phase. Because I'll be honest, I was one of those old motherfuckers that said three months ago, oh, Snapchat is such bullshit. Fuck that shit. I was one of them. I'll be the first one to say I was one of those. And, and I'm like, fuck, I'm not that old. Christ. You know, and I jumped on board and started fucking with it. And I'm like, oh, this shit is pretty cool. You know, just because it's it's a real it's a real world experience. Like Instagram, you take a picture, you can doctor it, you can make it pretty, you can add filters, you can do this. You can take 17 different versions of it and hope for the best. Of course, you can do that with Snapchat, but you take a video, you upload it. It could be your fucking shoes walking down the street and somebody's going to give a damn about it. You know, that's just how it is. And I just feel that Nintendo's reaching a point where they they got to start embracing the, the, that new generation who's consuming content on a mobile device you know, 17 hours out of a day because that's money that they're missing out on. That's all I'm saying. I hear you. Now, you know, I want to, I want to move things along uh, a couple of things. Uh, DLC black uh, DLC for call of duty, black ops three. If you people are still even touching that game is coming out uh, very soon, April 19th on the PS4 and then Xbox one and PC versions will follow after uh, you're going to get a DLC pack called Eclipse, which is going to include four new multiplayer maps. You're going to get a new entry in the zombie storyline, uh, which is going to take your characters to the Pacific, to a Pacific Island during World War II. Uh, the Black Ops 3 DLC for Xbox One and PC versions do not have a date yet, but I'm sure that they will follow shortly after 
the PS4's April 19th debut. No last-gen console versions will be getting any DLC. Translation, start selling your shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, the next episode of Hitman, which you have already covered on RageWorks.net, is slated to hit on April 26th. Uh, Square Enix announced that via press release. Our very own Slick reported it on RageWorks.net. Um, Hitman's first episode hit consoles earlier this month. Uh, there is a starter pack available, which has a prologue mission and a Paris theme map, which is now available for $14.99. You can also purchase a digital copy of the full game for 60 bucks, which grants access to each of the six locations upon release. Uh, seven episodes total will launch by the end of 2016, according to Square Enix. And, um, there is a possibility that a physical version of the game will be available, but it won't be in stores till at least 2017. Thoughts? Well, they were saying it was going to be in stores by like the end of the year, like the holidays, but maybe they did update that. And there's also now um, with the version 1.03 update, the Vampire Magician DLC, which is completely free, where there are additional missions that have um, come up in Paris where you have to accomplish, you know, like kills in certain ways or accomplish certain objectives while picking out your target and get to do it all while wearing a vampire magician costume. <laughs> nice. The, um, so even though I may not agree with the whole episodic release of the game, right. There's a lot of fun to be had with it, man. Well, I do got to say this too. If you don't want to deal with the episodic, just buy the game, which you'd normally pay 60 bucks for if it were new and be done with it. You know, because that's that's what you'd be doing anyway. See, it's I just a, think that it was a bad move for Square Enix to take away the beta because that I feel could have pushed more. Yep. In, in the, of the full experience packs. With I agree. Buying the whole thing. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think I this is this is an instance where the beta would have been crucial to continue to get people's attention on that title because I think going episodic and not marketing it the way you would a tangible copy is is going to hurt the game in the long run. Right. Now um on the Pokemon side of things, uh there are reports that trainers in Europe are able to download uh Jirachi for Pokemon XY and Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sa- and Alpha Sapphire. Uh, North American distribution is supposed to be begin uh, now officially, I guess, since yesterday. Uh, just a question on that, especially since you're well-versed in Pokemon. Um, the way it's working is that you're connecting on the internet and using the mystery gift function, and you're going to be able to get one, Jir- one Jirachi Pokemon per Pokemon game. Uh, this is the first time the character has been available in the U.S. since 2010. Uh, am I missing anything? No. I'm glad you don't have to go to GameStop for it because uh, you know how I feel about GameStop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, basically, wireless connection. Make sure you're, you know, you're, you're a DS connected to your Wi-Fi. You turn on the game, and before you start, there's a menu. You hit Mystery Gift. A couple of seconds later, there you go. You probably just have to go to a Pokemon Center to, to pick up the um, the egg Walk around, it hatches, there's your Jirachi. I, I do want to add that trainers can receive Jirachi through April 24th. 
So mark that date on your calendars if you are a procrastinator, uh, if you want to get your hands on this third mythical Pokemon. The other thing I did want to mention, as I said earlier, Capcom released their March update for Street Fighter V. And uh, this is the update that definitely makes you want to play the game. You got tutorials, challenge mode, demonstrations, advanced tutorials, uh, trials, online rematch option, which, like I said before, was very good. Uh, improvements to the battle lounge, bug fixes. And as of March 30th, Alex is uh, available and he has uh, his story content. You also have the in-game shop and fight money. You'll be able to use the fight money to purchase DLC characters and story mode costumes. I did want to add that Amazon had the special edition of Street Fighter V on sale for $61. Just just so we're all aware. Nice. So that may or may not find its way into into my inbox. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it, it's one of those things you and I have talked about where sometimes you wait and the shit comes down in price. I mean... You know, the statue was probably the only main driver for me out of that entire deal. But um, I will say what I said a couple of months back applies now, and that is that with these updates, Street Fighter V is a lot more... It's a lot more enjoyable if you were waiting for the Alex DLC. Uh, definitely take advantage of that. And you got your fight money to purchase characters and costumes. Keep grinding, keep fighting online, and... Hopefully, the experience will continue to improve with future updates. I agree. Um, actually, one more thing on the on the Hitman front, and this is funny if you haven't already seen it. Right. Um, Hitman is having sort of a contest. They, okay. They want to implement a star in the game as one of Agent 47's contracts. There's... They're asking you to decide whether you want to kill Gary Busey or Gary Cole. Oh, jeez. And they have a live-action video, which I'll, I'll post on the, the fan page. came out a couple of days ago. Um, where they have both of them basically vying for your, vying for your bullet, really. They're, <laughs> they're trying to get you to convince them to kill them. Nice. I'm going to tell you right now, I voted for Gary Cole because I said it's damn near impossible to kill Gary Juicy. This is true. Because <laughs> look at him. He's definitely tried. <laughs> Man, listen, that guy's tried to kill himself, and I think even God doesn't want him. <laughs> wow. But um, <laughs> last bit. See, I always, I always say something off color and terrible. Uh, last bit of gaming news to wrap up the segment for this week is that Rocket League's basketball mode will arrive in time for the NBA playoffs. Uh, it's called the Dunk House, and Rocket League's Twitter account said that it will be a free update and will be launching in April. So if you are looking forward to trading your uh, car-based soccer for a little car-based basketball, it will be happening at some point during the month of April. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for it. Of course, if I hear anything further or have a date I will let you guys know on a future episode of MTR or on Rageworks. Anything else you want to add, my friend? No, I'm good for now. All right, brother. I appreciate the assist this week, as always. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Let us switch gears and jump into this week's entertainment news. Let's get to it.
I want to get the ball rolling with um and get the segment started. Either way, ball rolling, segment started. You get the point. Um, with Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, which has made a pretty solid amount of money at the box office, not as record breaking as people had hoped, but still noteworthy. The film. Uh, got off to a $166 million start, making $420 million worldwide during opening weekend. It has now already surpassed the $500 million mark worldwide with an additional $12.2 million coming in on Tuesday and $32.9 coming in from the rest of the world, uh, bringing its grand totals to $193.2 on the domestic front, $308.6 overseas and over 500 million worldwide as of the airing of this show. Couple of things. There's there's three camps with this film. There are the people that hate it with a passion. There are the people who thought it was okay. And then there are the people that thought it was great. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to go too deep into it. I want to save it for the review, but I want to say that This movie is either going to get better with repeated viewings or it's going to get worse. And for me personally, I felt that there were there were ample missteps, but I understood what DC was trying to accomplish. And to to elaborate a little further, I'll say that DC was trying to do in one film what Marvel did across the span of, you know, 10 plus years with numerous films and that that was a recipe for pl- that was a recipe for a lot of fuck ups and a lot of issues that people uh pointed out and were upset about as you know more and more reviews and 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 people came out of the woodwork for me personally again without divulging too much i feel that i want to give the movie another watch when when the extended cut is available cuz sometimes the extended cuts make films better I felt that the Matt, uh, the Ben Affleck Daredevil, um, you know, the director's cut expanded a lot on Matt Murdock, gave a lot more backstory, which was good. I mean, it it didn't it didn't alleviate a lot of the shit that was wrong with the film, but it definitely made the film a lot more tolerable. Uh, Batman versus Superman, like I said, is in a very unique situation because it's it's divided a lot of comic fans as well as a lot of casual fans. Um you know, I like I said, I had my issues, which I'll address in the review. Uh, my wife, who saw the film with me, she she felt the same way that there were something she really liked and something she didn't. But as I said, the film did something which we hadn't seen from DC in quite some time, and that was establishing something in, in terms of long term goals. I mean, DC had started doing that. With with uh, Nolan's Batman, you know, with the Joker card at the end of Batman Begins, we knew where the film was going and it created, uh, you know, fanfare and and real excitement for future installments of the film. But again, that was a film that expanded on the, the universe within Batman, not within the DC universe as a whole. And to a point, there were a lot of missteps, even in execution with regards to that. But I respect what what was being what was being accomplished. I think that we can only hope that the films can improve and that they can elaborate a little better on certain characters, because if they continue to rely on only Zack Snyder's vision, there's going to be a lot more upset fans 
uh, or divided audiences over the course of the DC Cinematic Universe's run. Whether it's, you know, Batman versus Superman, whether it's Suicide Squad, whether it's any of the other solo films, there there's going to be a, a lot of division between fans because there are certain expectations and certain things that are easy to address and easy to execute on. But I just feel that uh, Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder, they they wanted to be so edgy and so over the top that they lost sight of some of the stuff that made the film uh, that made the characters compelling. And, you know, some people feel that that's great. Some people disagree. I mean, as someone who watches, you know, TV, TV shows uh, from both Marvel and DC, as well as films from Marvel and DC, I, I can I really stand by the fact that DC's television universe has its shit together. Even even as far as, uh, you know, the the other stuff like Supergirl and and um DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which are hit or miss some of the episodes, at least in terms of a universe as a whole, they're they're definitely they've definitely got their shit together. I mean, even this past week, Supergirl, where the Flash showed up, uh, really was was just a fun episode. There were a lot of things that that people were upset about. Obviously, it kind of messed up with it's kind of messed with the chronological order of what's happening on the Flash. But like the creator said, unfortunately, that couldn't be helped. Uh, because Supergirl airs before the Flash uh, Mondays, but nonetheless, I feel that the that that the television side of DC uh, and Warner Brothers is is really knocking it out of the park. The cinematic side, it's it's still a little too early to tell. Like I said, Man of Steel is a mixed bag, depending on who you ask. I mean, even I have mixed reactions on it. You know, I feel that there there was a portion of the film where it just kind of went off the rails, and then it ended with a big boss battle straight out of a video game and you either love that shit or you hated it. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Batman versus Superman, I kind of want to put in that same camp where, you know, starts off really really deep, kind of goes off the rails, then big video game boss battle to close it out. I mean, again, that's just my thoughts in a nutshell without me elaborating and spoiling anything or uh ruining the review, but I just wanted to share some thoughts on it because Again, you know, people have been asking where I stand. Nonetheless, uh, be on the lookout for my Batman vs. Superman review on RageWorks.net. In some news regarding the Kingsman sequel, it looks like we have a little bit uh, of new information regarding it. It's going to be called Kingsman The Golden Circle. Uh, there's some concept art which has been floating around. Uh, Empire Magazine gave also a little bit of a plot synopsis with uh, the Kingsmen now working with their American counterparts, the Statesmen, to take down a villain named Poppy, played by Julianne Moore. Um, you know, obviously, Eggsy and Merlin will be back. Halle Berry's also going to be involved. Um, really, really excited for this film. I felt that the first film uh, was tremendous. If you've never seen it or have never given it a chance, please do. It is it's not your typical spy fair, and it's definitely a a really good um you know a really good depiction from what was shown in the comics and, and graphic novels. Uh, again, I'm really excited for it. Um, once I get a release date for the Kingsman sequel, I will let you guys know. On the Marvel side of things, it looks like Gambit once again has been hit with delays. It looks like the film's original December 31st, 2017 date has been delayed due to a delay in the film's start because obviously the director's working on 
another project and you know they're trying to get the the film started and this goes back to what i said before gambit does not need a solo film you can put him right in an x-men film throw a little a little story behind it and then take it from there i understand that you want to craft this huge narrative for for uh fox's x-men universe but gambit is not a character you want to build on uh, you know building off of wolverine I understand because he he has enough of a of a story to carry multiple films, but I don't think Gambit is a character that needs that. I I really don't. Um, you know the rumors of them doing the new mutants film and that moving forward. See, you could do something with that. You could do something with X Force or X Factor, or whatever the case may be, because those are those are teams and characters that you can expand on within the context of one film. I don't think Gambit's stories and origin are deep enough to require a standalone film. I really don't. So I'm not shocked that it's been delayed and I think it will continue to be delayed until they either pull the plug on the project or they just decide to use Channing Tatum in an X-Men movie on his own and go from there. Now, again, with that, we'll see what happens. But right now, uh, the delay is where we're at. I don't think they're going to shelve it just yet, but I think that one more delay or, or one or one more long-term delay will definitely delay the the film indefinitely. Meanwhile, for for one for one little dud that Fox is dealing with, they also got something that is uh, definitely a cause for celebration, and that is that Deadpool continues to make waves in the box office. It has now passed American Sniper to become the second highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time. Uh, $350.5 million in the domestic box office. It is considered the number one R-rated film worldwide. Of course, Deadpool has exceeded all expectations, both from Fox and even from fans that went in with a lot of apprehension. Um, it's it's definitely a big, a big bullseye uh, for the crew at Fox and for Ryan Reynolds. And it shows that if, if done by the book, as much as humanly possible, the, you know, the characters will gain traction. I mean, they did a great job back in the day with Blade. Uh, Blade was pretty as as close to the books as, as could be. And um, they did a great job with that. I think Deadpool is indicative of that. Again, this is one of those situations where here's the comic. Read it. Take what's in here, put it on this screen, and make it look awesome. That's That's really what it boils down to. Sometimes... Uh, it's it's the easiest path that leads to the to the best results versus trying to reinvent the wheel and complicating something that really does not need to be complicated. In some DC small screen news, the uh, Patrick J. Adams from Suits, which is currently on hiatus until uh, later this year, uh, will be joining the cast of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Now, obviously, people have been speculating quite a bit as to what character he will play. Uh, I've heard Booster Gold, I've heard Nightwing, um, you know, I've heard uh, Young Batman, I've heard so many different things. Uh, the only thing that's been said, according to TV line, is that he is a character with a mysterious past and an equally mysterious agenda. So, uh, definitely a character to keep an eye on, and they've also gone as far as saying that he is a beloved character from DC canon, and he will not only provide the punctuation point for season one, but will be a launching point for season two and will recur in a handful of episodes. Uh, definitely a lot of speculation floating around. Like I said, I've heard Nightwing. Uh, I thought Booster Gold, but they've, they've definitely, they're definitely not doing that. 
Uh, some people have said Blue Beetle. We'll see what happens. I'm curious. I mean, Patrick J. Adams does an incredible job on suits alongside Gabriel Macht, who who definitely is a very, very underrated actor. I know that he uh, he has the spirit that he's still trying to seek redemption for, which was a fucking terrible movie. But still, um, I think Patrick J. Adams is a, a another underrated talent, and I'm curious to see what he brings to the fold with DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Now, I did want to mention something, and this was something that I was talking about uh, off air, and that is what's been going on with the release of 4K, uh, D, well, 4K Blu-rays. And what's been happening as of late is that the Blu-rays are being sold for $29.99, which Slick and I have addressed in previous episodes, but I'm starting to see a bigger push towards uh, 4K adoption, even faster than 3D adoption, uh, with the rumors going around that there's going to be a PS, a PlayStation 4K, which is going to be uh, compatible with the PlayStation VR, which is currently available for pre-order. Um, I'm curious about what, how fast the adoption rate is going to be. And the reason I say this is because everybody was speculating that 3D was going to be on the same level that 4K is. And as much as 3D is out there, it's not the driving force that many people thought. I mean, even myself, occasionally I'll purchase 3D versions of films, uh, 3D Blu-rays, when the films are just amazing to watch in 3D in the theater. And if they're on sale and the difference in price is, you know, nothing. But I'm not I'm not going out of my way to purchase 3D films only because, you know, it's just the 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 necessity to charge the 3D glasses that we use and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, sometimes it's it's more trouble than it's worth. Uh, the 4K adoption is interesting because if you go to a lot of stores now, the cost of entry into the 4K space has dropped substantially. I mean, I went into a, um, a BJ's wholesale store and they had a Samsung curved 4K TV for under $2,000. It feels like it wasn't even, you know, three or three to six months ago where those TVs were in the $5,000 and $6,000 category. And to see such a dramatic drop and also seeing people adopt the technology so quickly, um, you know, has, it definitely has my attention. Um, I'm, I'm going to put this out there, whether, you know, you guys respond directly via the comments for this show or on social media. I'm curious to know where people stand with 4k, are, are you one of the people that's planning to adopt it within the next three to six months, or are you going to take a wait and see approach? Uh, for me personally, uh, you know, I've seen some really good deals on, on Blu-ray, on Blu-ray televisions. Hell, I think Slick sent me a deal not too long ago, um, with a really solid deal on 4k. I feel that the medium, as I said, uh, still in its infancy, uh, with regards to 4k Blu-rays, I mean, like anything else, they're twenty nine ninety nine now. Three to six months, they'll be nineteen ninety nine, or you know, they'll be they'll be the same price as regular Blu rays when when two when you know for Tuesday release dates. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent overly critical of four K Blu rays, only because again the medium is evolving. I just am curious about the adoption rate. Like I said, I've seen some four K Blu rays at Consumer Electronics Week, and in particular, I saw The Martian which they were playing in 4k and it just, it was out of this world. I mean, no pun intended, uh, beautiful picture, amazing color, stellar sound. And I'm not, you know, for me, 
don't get me wrong, a, a, a beautiful picture is key, but I really am more, you know, more about the improvements that have been done to the sound with, you know, DTS and everything else that has improved with the 4K versions of these films. Again, that's not me preaching or pontificating that you should go out and buy a 4K Blu-ray or a 4K tele, you know, a 4K television, but I will say that if you are in the market for a new TV, whether it's a primary, a secondary display, or, you know, you should definitely start looking at the technology just for future proof, uh, you know, just for the sake of being future proof. I mean, Netflix has some stuff that's streaming in 4K currently, and, um, you know, the, the, the game, the gaming consoles are definitely going to move in that direction. I'm curious to see how Sony is going to approach that with the quote unquote PlayStation 4K and how they're going to price it in relation to the current console offerings that are out there. I mean, I understand that they're probably going to do it obviously for the PlayStation VR, but I am curious to see, uh, how that's going to be approached from, you know, the pricing perspective. Like I said, for those of you that have, um, you know, uh, that are on the fence or possibly picking up a new display. I I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to know if you're going to be picking up a 4k, if not, and if you are an existing 4k owner and are currently consuming 4k content via, uh, DVD and Blu-ray, I mean, excuse me, via Blu-ray or via streaming, I'd, I'd love to know what you think of the technology and what hardware you're using, what receivers you're using, whether you're using Dolby Atmos, thank you, Slick, or whether you're using a projector or anything else. I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys are, are rocking with on the 4K front. Always cool to hear that stuff. Again, feel free to reach out, uh, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com with that info, or rich at rageworks.net. With that, that is going to wrap up the entertain, the entertainment segment. For this week and it's going to wrap up the show as well so i've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment as always i'd love to hear yours feel free to reach out via social media on twitter at my take radio or rage underscore works you can also become a fan of our facebook fan page uh facebook.com forward slash official rage works or join the rage works facebook group and interact with myself and the rest of the rage works and mtr staff and also some of the hosts from these shows on the RageWorks Network, including Ben and Taylor from Black is the New Black and Jay Santee from the regular season sportscast, which, by the way, those guys are probably going to have new episodes for you this week. Uh, the regular season sportscast overtime is probably going to be spun off into its own show. I feel that Josie's boy who hosts a show with Jay Santee has come into his own and he's kind of on a probation period right now. Uh, we're waiting for him to get five episodes in the books before we move forward with him having his his own feed on the RageWorks site. But definitely keep an eye out for that if you're a fan of TRSS Overtime, which will soon be transitioning to a brand new show. And I will make an announcement for that once we decide to move forward. Uh, again, we got WrestleMania this week. I'm sure that we will also have a buried show uh, the following week. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, you can join us every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, next Wednesday, we will have our our MMA and wrestling show, but there will not be a gaming and entertainment show due to some to an event that we are covering. But keep it locked to our social media account so you can see where we're at, what we're covering, and what cool toys we are playing with. All right, guys, I want to thank you on behalf of Slick and the rest of the RageWorks and MTR staff. 
I will see you guys next Wednesday, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Thank you guys for joining me for this episode of MTR. I am out of here. Peace.